Welcome back to Curiosity Collective Podcast. We're here for a very special summer series around the world with Curiosity Collective. I'm here with my good friend, Nicola. We met back in 2015 in Spain. Nicola is from Italy, which he will tell us all about. Do you remember meeting each other? Yeah, I remember uh, there, there was a, the day after there was a very steep uh-huh. uphill uh-huh. road. <laughs> Where did we meet? The the exact the pueblo I don't remember the, the the name of the town I don't remember. You know what I remember about you? We walked. There was one day of the whole Camino for me that was very creepy. I had a creepy day. And we got to the albergue, which is the place, the hostel for the people who were walking. And it was raining and it was at the top of a mountain and it was freezing cold and there was no inside. Remember, there was like a pavilion, but no, no Uh, inside. And I am totally sure there were ghosts. I was like spooked and haunted the whole night long. (laughs) And you were there. And I wanted to be near you because you felt very safe to me. And so <laughs> the next day it was raining. This it, it was, the stars were still out. It was still nighttime when I got up to start walking, it was wet and cold. And that was the day that hellish day of all the rain on the mountain, freezing cold. And I was like, <laughs> I just have to get to Nicola. I just have to get to Nicola. And then I found you. And we stayed in the next place together. Do you remember? Yeah. That's when yep. we had chestnuts. We had the beer at the fire. And we, we had bunk beds together. And that night, I got bed bugs. And you did not. Do you remember? Uh, but I got some at Los Arcos. I never, oh, you, I will oh, never forget right. it. <laughs> that was terrible. That was a terrible place for people. Yeah, yeah. Disgusting experience. It's so gross. <laughs> I know. It's so not sexy. People talk about doing the Camino. They're like, oh, it's, they have such a romantic idea of it, I think. But um, it's not sexy at all to do it. No, it's good under your skin, but for your skin suffers a lot. Yeah. For the oh. sun and for the bed bugs. And for your feet. <laughs> I still and remember feet, your feet. Ble- yeah, blisters. Yeah. Cover. Yeah. yeah. But you were, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from. Why, maybe tell us why you chose to do the Camino. Cause that's how we know each other. Mm. And then we'll get into the last couple of years. Okay. So I, I was born in Piacenza, Northern Italy, uh, my parents are from Busseto, where uh, Giuseppe Verdi was born. He's a famous Italian compositor, a music- musician. And um, then uh, at uh, four years old, we, we moved to Casalpusterlengo, so Lombardy, the same region of Milan. Uh, so a bit up north. And uh, here I've been growing a lot. I'm a big guy. <laughs> Maybe I'm a gentle giant. That's why you felt reassured by my... I felt very safe <laughs> with you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I started studying psychology at university. Then I left and I switched my passion with my job. So now, now since 1999, I'm an IT guy. I like to say that I'm not a nerd, but I'm an IT guy. <laughs> a lot, um, very user-oriented. I think I'm a bit empathetic, so I can understand when they are really nervous about uh, IT systems disruptions and uh, inefficiency and so on. And um, so the way, the the, the reason I, I I took the Santiago way, it was like um. I know that was a milestone for many friends of mine, and I never had a bad review about it. So all the people (laughs) that uh, did it before me, they were all enthusiastic. Of course, they also highlighted the downsides, like we we said, Uh, but uh, they were really enthusiastic. And I was uh, 30 years old. Years old, 38 years old at that uh, age, that time. And I thought that was a nice opportunity to, uh, to have a kind of a snapshot 
of to to use IT terms, <laughs> a snapshot <laughs> of my life. Uh, so really to give myself uh, some time to reflect and to know myself even better. And of course, to interact with people maybe from other continents. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. what happened with you, with Jean, my Canadian Quebecois friend, mm -hmm. uh, with a Brazilian guy and many more Catalans. I'm still in mm -hmm. touch with some Catalans. So, um, yeah, that, that was the point. And uh, I had uh, that uh, stage, I had a temporary contract. And that year, I had my renewal, like my go, no go. And so I was like, if they renew me, it's an opportunity to celebrate. If they don't, it's an opportunity to understand my next step in life. Mm. How did you integrate the Camino when you went home? Um, yeah, my I made like a promise that was uh, to testify to be as a witness mm. uh, to anybody that uh, asked me about that. So I or, I was asked to organize some like uh, reports, some, I don't know, conferences, let's say, in the public library here in Casalpusterlengo, the, the town I live, I forgot, I forgot to mention, Codogno, that is next door uh, town uh, in many places uh, to I mean to, to tell the others to share with the others my experience and also I my Camino had a, like a charity side so I was collect I, I created a crowdfunding so every day I was walking for somebody and I was keeping somebody in my prayers in my heart and in my sweat, <laughs> in my effort, let's say. So every day was dedicated to somebody that asked me to do that. And in parallel, of course, it was, no, you pay, so I, I will remember. No, it was more, <laughs> more soft the way, so they could contribute to this crowdfunding. And half of the money went to... Um, Franciscan Friars missions in mission in Cameroon, where I was in 2012, and uh, the other half went to my town uh, social welfare uh, system, let's say, to help with the coupons, uh, people uh, um, to do shopping uh, if they couldn't afford it. I forgot about that I, because. I mean, not because I forgot about that, because one of the things I do remember is how you had your feet. We all suffered. Our feet suffered to walk 500 miles. That's pretty normal. Yeah. But, but your feet really suffered. <laughs> I remember your feet. Yeah. And I remember saying to you, stop, take a break, take a break. And you said, no, I no, <laughs> no, no. I cannot, I have yeah. each person is a day and I have to be done by a certain time. And yeah, you were yeah. there, you finished, you started after I did, you finished before I did. And you were in Santiago to meet us when we arrived. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah there yeah, you yeah. were. It was like, we got there and there you were. Cause we had very October the 30th, I think, or something like that. Or, something, uh, October, yeah. some, it was the beginning of October. Ah, oh, beginning, the 10th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something. September the 11th, October the 10th. Yeah, not the 30th. Yeah, yeah, I took longer than that. But, and then we just ate and drank for yeah. all day, every day until <laughs> people went their separate ways. And Santiago was a good town. To, we had a good time. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so let's fast forward because one of the things I'm doing with this is trying to connect with people on what their experience has been like over the last couple of years of the pandemic. And I know you and I actually had a chance to talk towards the beginning. I think it was when I was laid off. Um, so it would have been spring of 2020. So yeah. can you share a little bit about how you, um, how the pandemic arrived in your town? Because everybody's experience of realizing that this was happening is so different. So I'm curious how you kind of realized, like, wait a minute, this is this is coming. This is real. This is happening. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's pretty easy to say because 
Codonio, the, the town next door I just mentioned before, yeah. um, was the, there, there was the very first known case in Italy. But I was lucky because on that day, that was February the 22nd, I, I think uh, 2020, I was in Lanzarote. I was, I'm a nomad, so my nickname is Nomad, uh, Nicola yeah. Nomade. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I was spending some days in Lanzarote. And one morning I woke up, I checked Ansa.is, that is the like an online newspaper, and there was first case in Italy in Codogno. And I was like, no, I can't. Codogno is the place where I attended the high school, so it's really. And the day after, or after two days, they created the first red zone in Italy. And mm. Casalpusterlengo, my town, right. was part of it. So my dad, my mother, and my brother were locked down with the army, uh, like uh, checking the, 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 the perimeter, <laughs> not to have anybody Forgot going out or getting in. So I, I, I tried to... So, of course, the, the feeling part was like, no, I want to be back in my town. I want to share their destiny. I want to be close to my family. But then the rational part, uh, I have developed quite uh, <laughs> enough, uh, said <laughs> there is no added value if you go there. Right. Because it's not that they, there is a flooding and you can go there and do something. No. Uh, it's Maybe it's better if you stay away. <laughs> even yeah. If, if it costs to you. So, okay, I flew back. I took a Flix bus. I went to Trento. Luckily, we have a second house of my family in Trentino on the Dolomites. So even in a paradise, let's say. And uh, so with my flippers and my shorts, uh, on the 20s, <laughs> 26th of February. It's an image. You're painting a beautiful picture. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah. snow. Uh-huh. I, I got to the, 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 the mountain village with a bus, with a local bus. And of course, the Carabinieri, so the national uh, police, uh, check, when I checked in in the hostel in Trento, they checked them, the ID. And my town was Casalpusterlengo. So they uh... called me like, hey, are you escaping from the red zone? No, 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 I'm not. I was abroad and I'm not going into the red zone, but I prefer to to find a shelter elsewhere, let's say. Jeez, so, <laughs> no, but it was amazing to, 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 amazing, shocking to to check my smartphone that day and see Codonio, the very first case. Actually, I knew that the guy that was our first, our patient zero, they call wow. or patient one. Yeah. And so, then I was, of course, contacting every day my parents. My brother is a cardiologist, so they were in good hands. Uh, he also applied to the national health system to help, but they didn't engage him. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's strange because they were even broadcasting on TV. We are looking for nurses. Huh. We are looking for doctors. He said, I'm available and... And they they didn't involve him, but okay. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I wonder. I wonder why. Um, we too. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, in the emergency, maybe some processes are not uh, super oh, logical yeah. or super efficient and effective. So. Yeah. And so I found myself uh, there in the mountain with no car. Uh, luckily. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my my parents have been complaining a lot over the years because I I leave uh, a lot of clothes up there, even if the house is theirs. Uh, <laughs> but those clothes were really saved my life because I had something uh, like uh, sweaters, uh, right. wool wool stuff right. to be used uh, in uh, in February, March, April. Right. Because I came back here at the end of June for the first time. Oh, I didn't so, know that. I didn't yeah. realize you were there. Oh, wait, maybe maybe I did know that because we were texting a little bit yeah. after April when we talked. Whoa. Uh, overall, I spent 22 months up there. Wow. Yeah. By yourself. <laughs> By myself. Right. Yeah. In the house. Yes. But then I felt really 
surrounded and I'm, I'm in love with that by the local community. So every morning I was going to the bakery and the, the Elena, the, 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 the bakery tender was super nice with me. My neighbors there are Franciscan nuns. Mm -hmm. Once they cook for me, even if they are, you know, the, I don't know in English, clausura when they... Cloistered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same word. So theoretically they have, they have little exchange with the external world, but right. actually it's so intense and so spiritual that it really, it can really cross the wall of separation of the monastery and the outside. Uh, I'm Franciscan too, so uh, it was really a nice uh, combination of, uh, <laughs> of uh, yeah, logistic Did... and uh, <laughs> spirit, let's yeah, say. Yeah, like the, pre okay, so, okay, so I know you to be very social. You are very social. You are always traveling. You have 10 million bazillion friends so you have more than one Facebook account because you're so popular, <laughs> which I, I remember you telling me when we were hiking and I thought it was like hilarious. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what that was like? I mean, I'm hearing you say there was a lot of encouragement. There was a lot of love and solidarity yeah. among the community members, which is beautiful. Um, did you have, can you talk a little bit about maybe... I mean, did you ever get lonely or were you ever kind of overwhelmed by how isolated you were or not really? I think we all were more than we could realize in the, at that time. Mm. So if now I check retrospectively, I'm like, oh, how much I had to phone people, yeah. how much I had to ask uh, even to the nuns, please help us since you are used to stay like a bit secluded. Yeah. How can and we how can we cope with that? Right. I organized a lot of video conferences. Uh, uh, so there was a need. Yeah. Uh, I never feel alone because, of course, the faith helps, uh, and being surrounded by this positive energy, all this love, is something. But of course, when you find yourself on the sofa for hours yeah. alone. It's not always easy to recognize that, to touch that. So, of course, yeah. I felt, for example, my being single at this time and also at that time was a bit, I, I, nobody can touch. Yeah, touch. no touch. Yeah. yeah. I cannot share. If, if I have a bad day, uh, if I check the numbers and I see that they are increasing, if I... Uh, have a phone call with my parents and and I find them a bit uh, distressed. Uh, if I know that my brother has his girlfriend in Brussels and they cannot, cannot meet all these mm. things, yeah. I was like, I, it would have been nice to have somebody there to share that. But yeah. uh, okay, I had to, <laughs> to do with my own uh, energies and with the, the help of the community. For example, my the, the creativity helped. Uh, a friend of mine uh, sent me ice cream delivery on the April the twenty second. That was uh, my birthday with a nice <laughs> message. Or another friend knew that I was in this strange situation. Contacted the local radio, and I got interviewed by the local radio, <laughs> Radio Primiero, about uh, my situation there. Uh, there was a family that was a bit against the rules, but on my way, of course, walking to the cooperativa, so the small shop, uh, the, the, the grocery, yeah. uh, there was a bit hidden uh, house of a family. We had a, a bit of Prosecco there, of course, uh, outdoor with the, right. keeping the distance. But they they made my days a lot of time because there was there was the place where I... We could share uh, smiles, a bit of alcohol, and also to talk about the situation. Yeah. Uh, and then I got a special, since, since I'm a big guy, I got a special declaration from my family doctor. I elicited it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that allowed me to do one hour uh, outdoor activity. So I was walking a lot, of course, in the, I don't know, 300 meters uh, 
area around the house. Yeah. So I couldn't go up to the peaks uh, in the woods. No, uh, there there were people doing that, but <laughs> see, that's in... different. We didn't have. I mean, I I know place people in other places had similar rules where they couldn't even take walks. Restrictions, you know? Yes. Yeah, and that that wouldn't that wouldn't work in America. Americans wouldn't. Americans no. aren't keen to be told what to do. Like they're, you know there were people who still refused to like, you know, wear masks and stuff, but, but that <laughs> yeah. that's, I mean, wild to think about. Right. I think there's a, um, I'm glad that you said that in the moment of it, you had to kind of like put your head down and experience it. You had to be in it, but it's kind of now looking back that you think, Oh my gosh, you know, like it was this kind of, it was so intense. Yeah. That none of us could, it would be impossible to process it as we were going. I mean, I think that's so true. I think that's so true. And the reality of like, I know I thought about this a lot. I've lived alone forever, happily, pretty happily. <laughs> um, but, but the reality of the day-to-day exchanges, the social stuff, the laughing, the flirting, the touching, the hugging, like just the everyday stuff, that you suddenly didn't have access to at all was so yeah. overwhelming to me. Like I was so desperate for the physical, the physicality of other people. Yeah. The physical, even, even as that was the thing that was the most, um, you know, like weaponized, you know, that was the thing that don't get close, don't get close. And yeah. you're like, Oh, but that's what we actually as humans kind of need the most we need. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was such a, um, I was very aware of that kind of dichotomy. What we need the most is the thing that we're most threatened by. It just it felt like a metaphor, you know, yeah. it's, and so I was praying, let's hope when that everything will be over, it will be again, possible to end shaking, to hug a friend, yeah. to, to kiss, I mean, we need that. So badly, so badly. Can you talk a little bit about, I know that you're, I know, and I respect that you're a man of faith. And I would sometimes tag along with you to these Francis or to these Catholic masses in Spain. So I am not Catholic, nor do I speak Spanish, but I went, you know, I went kind of regularly because it was very soothing to my spirit. Um, can you talk a little bit about how your faith has shifted or if your faith has shifted as a result of the pandemic and living through these past couple of years? Oh, this is a deep one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the thing I think I start from the general and then I go to the specific. I think that the generally speaking, there was a, a tangible fear of the death. Ah. Because I got called even from my mid-school mid uh, mates. Oh, so wow. I, I got contacted by, by many people. I don't contact uh, or I, I don't get contacted uh, by them sure. often. And I felt like uh, being a bit of life jacket, you know. They, they needed somebody. Ah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so maybe the, the reassuring bear. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and um, but to me, I also before, I was thinking pretty often about death. So huh. that, uh, that life is temporarily, that time is limited, uh, that the opportunities are not infinite. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I go along pretty often, and I'm a joyful person. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not that I'm so life is so cynical and <laughs> no, and short and bad. No, no, no. On the contrary, but uh, so that was kind of a demonstration of that is really like that. You don't know the hour, you don't know the time, you don't know. Um, but because I travel a lot. And uh, I'm used to, for the very nice things, I, I avoid the, the, the standard paths, but sometimes you end up in nice places. I've just been to Santorini that is very touristic, but for a reason, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's it so some... beautiful. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Oh. 
and you know that to take a picture of the blue dome of the church mm. in Ia, you have to queue up. <laughs> oh, God. So you, you have to queue up because <laughs> there are crazy. 20 Instagrammers there to, to the, get that or to do their poses. Their, <laughs> you know? <laughs> These poor boyfriends really patiently. Ooh-wee. <laughs> Yeah, and so life is like that. To me, it's beautiful, but you have a limited time. So you cannot stay there 12 minutes. You you stay there one minute, and then mm. it's the turn of somebody else. Uh, so to me, the, the, the experience was like, uh, I have no fear of the death, because I know that is not the last word on my life, let's say. And uh, I it reminded me, hey, Uh, wake up, hurry up! Mm. You have a limited time here. Don't don't overplan, don't overthink. Uh, take now, today, the opportunity to love. Spread the love now, yeah. intensively, because you don't know if you will have it tomorrow. Uh, it was <clears throat> a bit like that. In, I mean, everything was. I mean, the 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 inner message of the experience was that. Uh, mm. Many people to me uh, woke up saying, "Ah, okay, so maybe money is not my the, the best thing to to think about. Uh, it's not all, or maybe my career." I see a lot of people now saying, "Hey, hey I don't want a job that uh, absorbs uh, all my energy. I don't want to work seven days a week. Yeah, I want a nice work-life balance." Yeah. So, now, and- do you have? In Italy, in America, we have they have they're calling it the Great Resignation. So to resign from your job means to quit your job. So in America, so many people, myself included, have quit their jobs in the last year and a half that they're calling it the Great Resignation. Do you have something similar to that in Italy? I've heard about that. Yeah, oh, for sure. Now, if, to ap- applying for a new job. The teleworking opportunities, uh, the lower, it's something that uh, it's uh, underlined. So people ask about that beforehand, before signing, because they Mm. want to know, shall I come to the office every day? Shall I work from the seaside or from the mountainside? So Italy. Yeah. 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 I'm an employee for a European body, and I have to say that Brussels so far uh, had uh, pretty strict rules. So during the pandemic, super flexible. Indeed, I was able to work from the mountains. But now we have a kind of two hours, a couple of hours um, time limit. So the mountain is too far from the workplace, and I cannot live there anymore. So I have to telework from uh, Casal Pusterlengo. I don't want to comment uh, too much about that, but of course <laughs> it, it's a limit for me and also the, 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 the meaning, uh, it's not easy to, to get because to me, the, the happier you are, uh, the, 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 better. the better you work. Right, so. of course. So you've talked a little bit about um, your own experience, especially in the village in the Dolomites, where, which is so small. What is the general, um, okay, so my experience, I thought in the beginning of the pandemic, when we were all in the first lockdown in the spring of 2020, I thought that this would surely be the wake-up call for people in my country. My country is very divided, very angry, very um, hostile. It's, it's a mess. We're, we're a mess. And we don't treat each other well. We're pretty hateful. Um, Anyway, so I thought in the beginning of the pandemic, when everything was stopped, surely this will be the wake up call. Surely this will be what people realize kind of to your point, like, hey, life is short. We don't get all the time. Like we need to really kind of lean into each other and work together to take care of each other. And in lots of places and among lots of people, that was true. However, (laughs) Um, um, it has felt like in my experience in this country that the pandemic has, especially as it's gone on, um, and we don't have social, we don't have great social support in this country. 
for people like at all, which is a big part of the problem, but, um, it's felt like it's been even more divisive, you know, where we are in 2022. I mean, there, there are only words. I have so many swear words in my head and I'm trying to think of how to say it. Uh, Nicely. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. It's a, it's a mess. It's a mess. That's the nicest way I can say it. So can you talk a little bit about the general kind of overculture in Italy in terms of how, and I know this is just your experience, you know, like this isn't to say your word is gospel of Italy, but the general overculture of Italy, how Italians have taken care of one another, have there been things that have been really polarizing and divisive? Or generally, are people pretty willing to follow the rules, wear masks, get vaccinated, take care of each other? What's the, what's the feel? What's the vibe? I think it has been divisive. Can you say that? Yeah, divisive is the word. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, divisive. Uh, especially when uh, it came to the vaccination. Uh-huh. So vax, no vax. Uh, even among my friends, uh, I have both. Mm. I'm used to have people uh, that, um, among my friends, people that think politically or whatever, yeah. really differently from from me. But that's the the richness of the of the friendship, I, I think. Mm. So I have many Novak among my friends, and also anti-system. So the you know the big powers behind the the, the far the big pharma. It's all they are. They are like uh, kidding us. Uh, the, the big powers. Mm. I'm not like that, but I have to say that now every I think every experience is really polarizing. So divide et impera is uh, <laughs> you know the Latin. So divide oh. and, and rule. Divide and rule is there. I think also. At the beginning of the pandemic, there was the motto, this experience will improve us. We will get better due to this. Right. But I think it's a statement that now is pretty inconsistent looking at the reality. I've been traveling a lot. Every trip has been a fight, uh, like reminding Uh people, hey, can you please wear the mask? Ah, but it's very hot. Ah, It's so hot for me. I mean... That's the rule. It costs to you, it costs to me, but it's the way to, to respect each other. But I had to do like the policeman uh, because I'm a pretty assertive. I am I cannot be indifferent if I see people uh, not respecting. I intervene. Maybe my, my body <laughs> presence uh, helps, so I, I dare to intervene. And I got a lot of bad reactions, you know... So it has been an, a hard time for me too. But, uh, and now there, there are the, I think the economical effects because the energy is up there with the cost. Uh, now the inflation in Italy is really yeah. going up like that. So at the beginning, the categories that lost money got uh, some of of them got some uh, help from the country, from the central state, others not. And now we have the impression that the cost of the pandemic is again on our shoulder. So all the people that couldn't gain money for for two years, now they are trying to recover uh, that loss or that missed income on our shoulder. But the salaries are pretty stuck. Right. So I think a lot of tension now come, comes from there. I have people doing their job from Monday to Friday and doing extra job on Saturday and Sunday mm-hmm. because they have a loan. Maybe the income is not that high and they, have they to. feel... Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes they are really sad. And if you ask them, why are you sad? Because of the money. Yeah. Yeah, it's suffocating. Uh, the cost yeah. of things going up at such an extraordinary rate. I mean, yeah. it's really difficult to keep up with that, much less, it's like, it's difficult to maintain it, much less get ahead of it. You know, like difficult, if not impossible for so many people. That's true here too. Yeah. Um, and even in my experience, okay, I'm a serial traveler and you can say that is a 
probably a first world issue, but for example, car rentals doubled in price. Doubled. So, and usually I like to drive around to see it, yeah. so, as many things as possible, as many places as possible. But now renting a car is something. So maybe I, I will need to relay, relay more on uh, public, public transportation yeah. or... Well, even with gas, I mean, gas is, I don't, I'm assuming gas is really high for petrol is so yeah. high. Two euros per liter of oh God. diesel. Well, yeah. Of diesel. Right. I don't know the translations well enough to, I'm going to botch that because we get, we pay for it by the gallon. Yeah. Yeah. And they're you four, should convert oh, wait, euro so, in dollars. Okay, and so right, we can think about this. There are four liters in a gallon, right? Okay. Oh God, this is embarrassing. Four quarts in a gallon. Anyway, <laughs> a gallon is like $5. Okay. I should know this. This is embarrassing. So we, <laughs> no problem. I mean, right. How many liters? How do we? Okay. Uh, we can check on Google. I'm doing uh, it right now. Liters. How many liters in a gallon? One liter is like one quarter of gallon. Uh, so there are almost... Almost so, four liters in a gallon. Exactly. So it would uh, cost eight euros one gallon. That's a lot. That's more than here. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's again, oh, hello, kitty. It's just, it's impossible. You know, it just makes everything feel that much more overwhelming. Um, yeah. I haven't really thought about this as a question for you, but it's in my head. Okay. In America, can you hear my cat? He's like yeah, chirping. Yeah. yeah uh, are cute. you hungry? Meow. Yeah, he's always hungry. <laughs> he's the baby. Um, okay. In America, there are very many different types of religions. Um, and some of the loudest politically are what we call evangelical Christians. And they have been some of the most outspoken um, and not all of them, but the culture of it has been some of the most outspoken against vaccinations, against kind of community care. They have they've done a lot of damage. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if there is a, what that kind of looks like. You know, Italy is obviously the epicenter of the Catholic Church, certainly in yeah. the world. I'm wondering if what the influence of the church has been over the last couple of years. Because I have been personally pretty heartbroken um, by what's happened here. You know, it feels kind of like the opposite of what, an, you know, a, fa- a love-based faith is supposed to do. Exactly. <laughs> Doesn't look like love to me at all, at all. Uh, makes me want kind of nothing to do with it. But can you talk a little bit about that? Especially as, again, as a man of faith who I really do respect. And I know that your heart is not that. And it's been really hard. I don't know if the church uh, made any like 100% clear or directive statement, but for, of course they said the the this the responsibility of the individual has something to see with the responsibility towards the community. Okay. So if That's you something. get a vaccination you protect yourself and in a way you love the others right. because if everybody gets a vaccination the covid will disappear more or less or we reduce extremely right. uh, the, the the likelihood uh, to be spread again so it's um, a matter of responsibility and they pushed a lot on the responsibility because that's one of the core concept i mean you have a right. as an individual as a person you have a responsibility but you have a responsibility also on your brothers and your sisters right right at the That's point that helpful. you can even correct them so i tried with my novax friends till the extent uh, they let they left me do that to a i my brother is a doctor i trust him if you check the, 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 the PubMed papers, uh, there are studies that are scientific. I mean, uh, I work for a scientific center, uh, European uh, authority. As a man of faith, a man of science, in a way, yeah. I, could, I couldn't 
I couldn't uh, refrain from telling them, why don't you? A couple of them, I don't, I don't pretend <laughs> I was the, uh, like a trigger for their conversion, but they actually decided eventually to, to get mm. vaccinated and I paid them beers to, <laughs> <laughs> to praise them. <laughs> That's really sweet. Yeah. I mean, really, like, what do you want for us to do? What incentive do you need? You care about other people. That's funny. Pay them in beers. Um, well, that's, I mean, that's encouraging to hear, you know, I know certainly there are churches like individual churches and I, I don't want to make, you can't say anything really without it. I don't want it to be an overgeneralization, but just the culture of it. It's very politicized here. It's very conservative. They're not very loving towards, you know, most marginalized communities in our country. And so it was just like, it felt like hurt heartbreak on heartbreak on heartbreak on heartbreak. You know, it still feels like that to me. I know that in my own um, processing and maybe like healing from the last several years, that there is a still some work for me to do <laughs> around <laughs> the reality of who the church has become. It, there's, there's, that's not a place that's like, healed and calm that's a place that's pretty um (laughs) you know you don't have to push hard to like really and I it's my work to do I take responsibility but it's encouraging to hear that but it's also my so uh, mine as a member I'm called to change things from inside to so Come on uh, over, Nicola. Come on over. <laughs> we could, good luck. Good luck over here. Yeah, but I I try to do my my part. I try. I know to do you my do. Best. I know no, you. I do. don't know if I do. I try. I try. You do. I'm telling you, when those ghosts were haunting me at that hostel, <laughs> I knew <laughs> I wanted to find you in the morning, and I did. No, I mean it's true. You definitely have. I mean, you carry. I I believe this about most people, but you carry a real light in you. I think it's really evident that your faith has boots. Your faith has boots. You're not just talking words. You really actively choose to do loving things. You know, that's a, that's, that's what I've always kind of understood it to be love. It's like, what is the love without action? Like, what does that mean? That's cute. That doesn't mean anything, you know? Air. Yeah. Wasted, wasted there. <laughs> yeah. I think you've always been very actively representative of the faith that you believe in. And I'm grateful. I mean, you know, we're still in touch <laughs> and I've lost, I haven't, um, it's been difficult for me to maintain relationships with some people who are still in the church because it's, um, it's just, it's just really difficult for me. It's hurtful. It makes me angry. I feel like, like I can't even breathe for how they're treating people. Um, you know, who a woman's supposed to be. Yeah. So, you know, this, that is not what this podcast is about, but you know, yeah, yeah. I'm grateful. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well, listen, it's, um, I am a, I, I don't know how to articulate this too well, but I do believe that the, the, Okay. Do you know the word wounds? Wounds. Like if you have a cut and there's a wound. So oh, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wound. Okay. So I really do believe that there are some wounds for us personally, but also as a collective that are really, yeah. really, really deep. They're deep and old. And I think all of the nasty, like poison in the wound has to come up. We can't yeah. heal it by like putting a bandaid on it, all of the gross stuff has to come up. And I feel like that's what's happening right now in so many ways in this country, in the world. Um, And so it's really painful and scary and overwhelming. And it's necessary if we really want to get to some kind of peace, somehow that stuff has to come up and be brought to light, you know? So it is, it's painful and it's hard, but I also... Let's bring it up, you know? I yeah. like the metaphor. I don't want to, to do my sermon here. I will stop after two <laughs> words. But it's nice the metaphor you chose because uh, I've been told that Christ had the power 
to remove the stone from the graves. Uh-huh. So in a way, if we huh. remove the stones from the wounds, they can uh, the oxygen can go inside and disinfect and uh, heal them and cure them. So yes, the, the, we need that power to uh, remove yeah. the stone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can, I can, I accept that. <laughs> that's a good. I that's that's a good. Well done, well done. Um, okay, so we're almost at the end. So tell oh, me this: as time flies, but <laughs> when you and I, when I stop recording, don't hang up because you and I will say goodbye. Not on uh, yeah. online. Um, okay. Could you tell us something that you have learned about yourself over the last couple of years? Uh, This is a good one. Maybe again, uh, that connections, that friendship Mm -hmm. uh, is the best treasure I have on this world to help me, to help my walk. Yeah. And uh, that village, uh, that community helped me a lot uh, because uh, I felt of the warm uh, of being mm-hmm. really connected uh, to people, uh, even in a small valley up there. Yeah. And also the relationship with the nature. Ah. So I think we have too much concrete around, too much uh, tarmac, asphalt, call it as you want. Uh, really at the beginning of the lockdown i wrote on facebook i need to hug a tree yeah i needed to uh to, yeah. to touch the wood to to smell the mm-hmm. grass uh i really needed that so i spent november on the seaside working from there i spent a lot of time on the mountains i see people now are like um eager to go outside of of the city and to touch again the sand yeah, <laughs> yeah. the lake uh, yeah i think this is a need so what i learned is probably we had a lot of uh, it's in italian is like sovrastrutture so structures mm-hmm. uh, piling up but our um, original need is to stay with the nature stay mm. in a tribe in a community even small yeah. uh so probably we then we have Netflix, we have many yeah. things. I have Alexa all around my house. I have <laughs> super smart things, but the real smart things I need is are a lake, a boat, uh, yeah. a stone. Yeah. Even that, though, when I think about that for myself, that's an extension of, well, my spirituality, but also my sensuality right? Like, especially again, as somebody who lives alone, the sensual part of us that might not have as much sexual outlet all the time, right? As somebody who lives with a partner, but those things really matter. Like that connection to our physical self, the physical world around us through all of our senses is so vital. It's so vital. So I really appreciate you saying that. And also the quantity, I took the opportunity, of course, to tie up both the houses, the mountain one and this mm-hmm. one. I took a lot of clothes to charity. Uh-huh. I really, I like, I made my ambient more uh, lightweight. Yes, I love that. Less things, okay. uh, really well, like um, taking taking care of it, mm-hmm. uh, everything clean but essential. Mm-hmm. Not too many things, not yeah. too many, uh, like the nature is, you don't need many things you, mm-hmm. if you are laying on, on a, in a garden, just to, having a sun bath. Yeah, you, you I have love that. Everything you need. Yeah, right? <laughs> we, we, have, we have everything we need. Yeah, I, I love that you said that. What's one thing that you're curious about? To ask to you. Uh, no, <laughs> nobody's asked me that before. No, I, oh. I always ask people at the end. Ah, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I wasn't I clear. missed the script. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Whoopsie. Yeah, yeah. So just one thing in general in life right now that you would like to learn more about. Languages. 
You're so good at so languages. If you had a genius coming up from the lamp, you know, okay, I would ask to lose like 40 kilograms. That would help. Uh, but also to be able to understand uh, every man, human being uh, in their own language. That would be a dream for me. That would be a dream for me too. Uh, do you have any more languages since I last saw you? You had Spanish, I'm, Italian, English, and you were working on Portuguese, maybe, or French? I was working on French, and I'm still uh, working on French. French. Of course, having my brother in Brussels helps, because oh, right. when I go there, I can practice or, or I can hear him uh, speaking, uh, but I need to put more effort on it. God, I'm so jealous. Okay, last question. When is the last time you felt great joy and delight? Oh, this weekend. Oh, where were you? On the mountains with friends. And we had a beach volley. I played tennis. We had good uh, meals. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of, also a lot of talk, 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 staying together. That was more than enough for me. Perfect. That's everything. That's everything. <laughs> yeah. Very simple, but so crucial, I would yeah. say. Agreed. Um, listen, I am really grateful to you that you were able and willing to do this with me. I know you're very busy and important in Italy. And I know, you know, you're always somewhere else. And so it's been so delightful to see you again and catch up. And I'm just really happy to introduce the whole world to you <laughs> i mean introduce you to the whole world that's what i mean well, so, that's my you. pleasure and thanks because you 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 have been speaking so clearly that uh, it was uh, impressive that i could get everything and also probably answer properly i hope yes you you did great like i said your english is really good I should say oh, to people that you said, oh, I don't know if my English is good enough. And I said, it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, above Italian average. Let's see. <laughs> you, well, <laughs> you're certainly above the American average for speaking anything else at all. So I will stop recording and then you and I can um, Thank you. finish up. It has been a great pleasure. Thanks for listening and sharing.